You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. Hey lads, how's it going? Hey guys, been a bit a while again for me, missed another week. Okay. Welcome back. Yeah, we are. We'll, we'll always be here waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, new standard format now, so I'm uh, I'm back back into magic in a big way again. We are going to go over plenty of deck lists from that standard format later on in the show. Uh, we have a big deck list dump from the SCG Open over the weekend. Uh, of course, re- last week was no, no. This weekend is the release weekend, right? So yeah, that's right on time for the SCG Open. I was thinking last weekend because everybody was playing this format last weekend, but uh, that was just arena, I guess. Um, yeah, so last weekend was the Mythic Championship, and this weekend was the first big standard tournament because the Mythic Championship was um, was modern, of course, and the associated Grand Prix Magic Fest was limited. So yeah, this is the first kind of high-level standard event. Uh, we're not going to jump into that right now. We're going to kick it off with a bit of limited talk so i personally have not done much limited i did one draft courtesy of al on arena he gave me his code from his pre-release and uh, i think i went uh one, no two two maybe yeah, i think so and i drafted a blue white uh, kind of flyers deck i had some good cards i had like kazmina i had two kazminas i had a Dovin ban uh had a bunch of Sky Theater Strixes, which I think are fair. Yeah, they're better than people give them credit for. But yeah, I got absolutely run over by people with ridiculous decks. So yeah, that was not a good experience for me. And I think ridiculous decks could be the tagline for this format. So I think Al has had the most experience. Kieran, I don't know how much you've had, but uh, let's kick it off with Al's uh, Al's experiences of the format. Uh, yeah, you're definitely right about the ridiculous decks because... Um... I think people people have been going on Twitter kind of just talking about um, how the bots seem to just be passing very, very powerful cards. Uh, I think Jerry Thompson posted a, a pack one, pick two with a common missing and then Ugin in the pack, uh, which is which is absurd. So, oh, yeah, I mean, the, the text I've been drafting... Ugin is like the best first pick in the format, right? Because it's colorless and you will get six mana yeah. player bombs, usually. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. literally the best card in the format. Yeah, and it's um, yeah, good in your good in your head, uh, good in your behind. It's a uh, yeah, it's very very good at what it does. Um, so yeah, it's it's so kind of with that in mind, it's like yeah, I, I've I drafted some absolutely busted cards or bit busted decks uh, in this in this in this format so far on on Arena. Um, so then I was over in uh, our, our local shop, uh, Gamers World, for on Saturday for um the draft weekend, and I drafted twice. Um, and I won one draft and did not win the second draft. Um. But yeah, so I guess yes. Yeah, so I, I, I overall, I, I love this form. I love this format. Um, I was talking about this. I was talking about uh, sealed before. Uh, a lot of a lot of supplies to here. Um, I think yeah, drafted yeah, the the decks are more powerful. Um, I the the, ga- the, the, the games still are pretty 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 wide for pretty 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 grindy pretty uh yeah, pretty long. Um, so I've I'm, so I think I've I've all the decks drafted so far. I think for me at least, uh, blue red spells just seems to come together most often. Uh, I think you mentioned the sky theater. Just, Sky Theater Strix. Uh, that for me at the moment has my uh, has my vote for the two drop. You don't want to see your opponent play in turn two the most. Um, when they're tapping their man on turn two, you're like, oh, please don't play Strix. Uh, but I suppose it's 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 just, it's just very efficient and and, uh, and um, yeah, it plays well with that deck's uh, game plan. Um, so uh, 
yeah, so kind of yeah, so I had yeah, some yeah, mild success um, in both on on arena and in paper. Um, yeah, mainly drafting the right spells. I think at the moment in arena, I have a I have a, a green a green blue deck that has like lots and lots of uh, proliferate synergies, uh, but not really much interaction. And something I when I was putting together, I was kind of worried like oh maybe yeah maybe this won't be able to attack to you know play against the faster decks in the format. Uh, but it seems you know just completely overwhelming your opponent with just the board presence uh, is enough um, interaction. That's that's all the interaction I need. <laughs> Which is funny though, because in a deck with or in a format with such great removal, I mean I think the I think the removal in this format is is pretty good, right? When you have like a mix of this cruelty at common um, for white, you have what, what's the common white removal spell? Wanderer strike, and then for green you have uh, band together. Is that the one? The punch team up and punch card. Yeah, that card would be very good. Um, yeah, two, it's like yeah, two creatures punch another creature. Uh, it's it seems yeah, <laughs> there's always those situations where you're gonna have a favorable a favorable trade uh, with that card. Um, so it's a. Uh, yeah, so it's, a, it's actually that's probably the one card I wanted most in this deck and playing at the moment, and I actually I actually don't have it, so I was really worried. Yeah, basically, I'd not have not even having the green removal spell, um, but um, yeah, the deck still still seems to be functioning fine. Um, I think uh, probably my favorite comment at the moment is uh, oh, what's the the two mana bound spell, a mass one, Callus Dismissal. Yeah, so that's um that just always seems to be very good um in, in, a, in a lot of, in a lot of situations. Uh, so that's um for me for, for me right now that's just a Obviously, that is a sign that it was open. If you're seeing that late uh, in a pack, uh, how are you feeling in general about a mass as a mechanic in the set? Uh, yeah, I was, I, was high, I was very high on it last week. I'm high on it this week now as well. Um, it's I, I think it's just um yeah, like I was saying before, it's, it's just a nice, simple mechanic that can just be tacked onto a lot of cards. You'd probably be playing your deck, your deck, you're playing for their effect anyway. Um, and I think it's yeah, in a way, it it, it, it obviously if it's um if you know, these token creatures are. You know, something you're valuing on the, on the battlefield that makes uh, that bounce spell I mentioned uh, a lot better. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's like it leads a you know yeah fun games, good interaction. And what about the planeswalkers? Are you finding it's like easy or difficult to deal with them in general in most games in draft? And if like if, if it's not easy to deal with them, is the game about them? Is is that what it comes down to? Well, I think so some of the, I think more so the rare ones are usually are, are yeah pretty back end and if you can't deal with them straight away. Uh, but my job, most of the common ones, a lot of times I find myself with you know, a planeswalker in my hand that I can't cast just because there's already you know, the opponent has a board. Um, I can't afford to just attack out and just play another target. Um, but then there's some planeswalkers that uh, you, know, you feel so good playing them on an empty board because uh, you probably will stay ahead um, in that situation. So uh, I, I think so far, uh, Ashok has just been pretty insane for me so far. Um, I really like uh, a lot of people online, especially you're making mistakes in Parset. Uh, I had an opponent cast, I had an opponent cast, an opponent cast uh, commence the endgame uh, to uh, make it uh, a six mana 2 2 um, without drawing any cards. So that was, that was entertaining. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I think probably it's, I find myself going, going into blue decks more often. Um, blue, to, blue to me seems like the most powerful uh, color. Um, but yeah, even, even though it doesn't necessarily have to, to as much interaction um, as, as others, but it's, it's, it seems to be very easy just to create a big board presence uh, with blue and with um, the blue uncommon uh, either so Flux Channeler or oh, most still new with these card names the three mana two two that proliferates whenever you cast a non-creature spell mm-hmm. you're going to be casting you're going to be casting a lot of non-creature spells in this format yeah I've seen a lot of decks that have like six seven creatures in them seems not not too crazy you know what I mean that seems to be like a not too far from the average. It's 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 quite a low creature count because obviously you're taking into account cards, you know, planeswalkers that make creatures and a mass cards that that make an army token. But like actual just creature type cards in your deck seems to be much much lower in other formats. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's it, it is something that it, is, it always feels odd to even up a deck with yeah so 
few creatures in the middle you're thinking like oh maybe I might set myself, set myself up for failure but I think just the way the format just play, the way the games play out is uh, that usually is usually is fine yep definitely I I haven't played that much draft so far I've played I played more sealed on the um on the the release weekend on arena um I, I think I mostly agree with you I think like for me, I, I kind of thought green looked like the best color to me, but I could definitely see the argument for blue as well. It just seems like the, the green, like uncommon planeswalkers are, are really good. Like Frasca and Arlencord, I thought were both really, really strong. Uh, so I already like those. And I think green has like one of the, like the, the blue uh, Sky Theater tricks is good. And I think, but I think green has an even better two drop with the, the Crunch Wrangler. Uh, just the two one trample that gets a plus one plus counter plus one plus one counter whenever you uh you play a creature with power four or more. Um, that I think that's like a really important card in the format. Uh, like in terms of being able to like attack planeswalkers and stuff like that. Like evasive two drops are definitely really important, and there's not too many good ones. So I think you're right that you have to prioritize cards like that for sure. Yeah, and I think it's like it's pretty. I made that point because about green because um. I actually I feel like I play played green a lot less often, and um, because we drafted so much, and I think the consensus on Twitter seems to be that yeah, there's something going on with these bots, and uh, these bots seem to be valuing green very high. Uh, so I, I've actually played a lot less green, uh, fewer green decks than um than, than others others uh, just in draft. On that probably makes sense, yeah, because since I've been playing sealed, I've just been opening what I've been opening, yeah. so I've really played more green decks because of that. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I kind of. We're excited to play more and um, just yeah, see what we what we, so to see what else we learn about this format as we go deeper. Uh, I'd like to see the, uh, the the bots get fixed. Um, hopefully that comes in before we have a um, ranked uh, ranked draft because uh, at the moment the the ranked format is uh, radical legions, which I do not want to play. Yep, same. I'm saving my gems at the moment. Yeah, I think or gold, right? Yeah, gold. Yeah, yeah, gold for a ranked draft. Uh, but I think hoping hoping that the bots will get fixed is probably. You're probably going to be left waiting there. I think so. Did they, did they fix it for Allegiance? Um, I, I didn't play much of it. I mean, wasn't they did something, but whether they fixed it or not, I don't know. I think for for each uh, since since like the since it's been an open beta or whatever, I think for each draft format that's existed, they have done like a mid midway adjustment of the bots. But I think most of the time they just adjust them in whatever way they want to adjust them. They're not like adjusting them according to how how they were misvaluing the cards beforehand as far as i know because i remember when, during the allegiance adjustment a lot of people were like yeah bots are still broken like the same day people were like in fact i think it's worse oh really okay <laughs> so that's a good sign uh, yeah I, I don't know much about the background of kind of programming the algorithms for uh for, for these bots but is it something that i presume i presume it's something that can be done on the fly like maybe it could be because bro, because we're we're, we're, constantly, we're we're constantly giving data, um, you know, to the to the program, uh, as so you know, what cards are picking up for other cards, um. So yeah, I, I maybe this is a not, maybe it's not even me to think this. Why I thought there could be, uh, they'd just be updating their pick orders uh, on the fly, uh, as the format develops, which you know, could be interesting. Yeah, I thought that's what would happen too, but I think I think it must be a conscious decision not to do that because, as you say, it's definitely possible and probably pretty easy to do so. I think like. I think maybe a lot of it is they want kind of newer players and more casual players to like have a better chance of like drafting really powerful decks so they have like a fun gameplay experience like get to play all these like powerful bombs and stuff like that that's kind of what the format is is like anyway so it could be an intentional design decision in that respect yeah yeah it's possible yeah it's um yeah i suppose it's a uh, usually well 
Yeah, I, I, maybe I can agree with that to some extent. Um, maybe I, I suppose I, I've I've always just seen well, back when I was playing a lot of Moto, I always just see Moto as a you know as a means for me to practice playing Paper Magic. Um, there's always it's always like Paper Magic for me has always just been like the goal to, to get better at. Um, so it's yeah. So if 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 you're right and this is an intentional decision um, to to make everyone have more powerful draft decks, it's kind of you're, you're kind of losing that alignment between uh, you know online play and paper play, which. No, I suppose I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to think about that if I if I like that or not. Like, yeah, playing yeah. for next is is fun at least. It might not just be that as well. They might want people like in specifically getting past rares by the bot. That might be a thing where they want players to to do more drafts and and buy in again because they want the like more casual players to feel like they are building a collection. So they're like getting past good rares for their collection, maybe more often than they would be under a more strict algorithm, like getting past like Ugans and Lilianas. We're hearing the stories like that could be just, again, to kind of appease newer, more casual players and, and make them happier in a collection. Yeah, definitely. That's possible. Yeah. Yeah. And it does feel good when you're when you're past uh, late in a fact, you're past rare, you need for your standard deck. It's a good feeling. I mean, a lot of people talk about preserving the, I don't know what the word is, I guess the sanctity of the draft or preserving what feels like the way drafts should be. But even if you think to a lot of in-person paper drafts, like a lot of times those drafts are messed up because you have like one new player at the table who has absolutely no idea what any of the cards do or their relative power levels. So it's basically like having somebody just drafting random picks every 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 time the pack goes past them. So like those kind of things happen on the regular, I feel, in paper drafts, especially in local stores. Maybe not at bigger tournaments, but yeah, I, I I don't know if this the the idea of the pure draft where everybody's drafting optimally exists really in real life. I guess maybe Magic Online is probably the closest to that now because the people remaining on Magic Online have to be have to be pretty diehard. Yeah, I, I've heard uh, horror stories about the uh, the queue times for Magic Online at the moment uh, for drafts. Oh wow, yeah, that that'd be pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awful. Um, if that's what's like, but um, uh, yeah, I guess it's it's. I mean, it's not like, usually when I draft, it's uh, usually the players agree to redraft rares based on standings, which I guess um, yeah, usually kind of curbs against you know, uh, you know kind of it gets brings it closer to making an optimal deck, uh, because this was week one, um, yeah, oh, to twenty two drafts I did in paper, we decided not to do that. We decided just to keep what we draft, um, and like yeah, I I, I kind of came to some difficult decisions of like I think opened um, uh, oh the the two drop bitter blossom rare. Uh, bitter blossom like bitter 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 blossom light um rare uh in a pack uh, as in black um but it was that and uh an uncommon was um ashiok and i was in a, in a deck that could leverage ashiok very very well uh, and i was as you know him and it on as, as what to take that i thought it was probably right to take the rare i mean the rare is also good in limited i guess too yeah the... on, on this on this high on the ashiok train rare is rare is pretty good ashiok i i feel like ashiok is not that good I... yeah i'm not getting oh, this think... ashiok thing either what's the story with that? oh because it's it's twenty cards. Um, because <laughs> I suppose once you uh, if, if if you if you can get a back or add to his loyalty at all, um, it, he is a clock on by himself. Ashiok's not a he- yeah. Ashiok has no no gender. Oh, they right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they sorry. No, right, yeah. no, it's just Ashiok. Ashiok doesn't use pronouns, I believe. Oh, oh, at all? Okay. Yeah, it's kind of that's, that's the way oh. it goes. Uh, but <laughs> like you mill you build them for twenty cards. They still have ten cards left in their deck, right? I don't I don't get it. Are there any other cards that help you mill them out? Oh, okay. I was like, I was, I was sometimes, sometimes I was just like in a in a in a, um, in a spell heavy deck or a non creature. Um, so we're talking about how many non creature spells there are. 
Uh, like if you have Ashiok and uh, three mana two two that prol- proliferates whenever you cast on creature spell, it's it's you know, you're just going to have Ashiok. You're just going to be milling them every every for four cards uh, every turn. Um, well, and it's yeah, it, it always is just a, it's just a strong combination. Well, that's two uncommons, right? Yes. Okay. But two, yeah, two, two uncommons. I like, I've been getting a lot on Arena at least. Um, okay. Yeah, maybe yeah. Maybe, um, like, yeah, so, well, you, you can have any kind, of, yeah, any kind of proliferate synergy or any kind of a recursion. But you were saying as well that you find yourself in positions a lot where you can't even play these planeswalkers because you're behind on the board, and Ashiok's like the worst card in that spot as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, we, they're all pretty bad when you're behind anyway. Oh, um, really, Vraska is really good. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, well, just don't fall behind on the board. <laughs> I won't, but I've got to do that by not putting Ashiok in my deck. I'll put it <laughs> yeah, um, it could be good. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's, it's always been been good when I played it, and um, I, I've had some you know, opponents concede quite quite early as uh, as um, once I establish that I can protect Ashiok uh, and and you know, add loyalty counters to Ashiok. Uh, that's uh, that's enough for uh, opponents to concede before they get milled. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, yeah, they they res- they respect the mill strategy. What if I milled them out with a few Enter the God Eternals instead? Yeah, I played the same deck. Um, Sounds a lot. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. Did you end up yeah, with, a uh, with a what's it called, Spark Reaver, or uh, when you when you had the Dreadhorde invasion, the Bitter Blossom? What's the what's the black card, the common that lets you sack a creature to gain a life and draw a card? Oh, the Hutri. Yeah, I. I, I I don't know the name off, off offhand, but um, I actually I actually didn't didn't have that card. Uh, I thought it would was something that yeah I expect to pick that up towards the bottom of a pack. Um, yeah, you should take it pretty highly once you have Dreadhorde Invasion. It's an absolutely busted combo. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty bananas. Yeah, I'm excited to play more. I feel like this format has more cards in it that I have no idea what they do than other format. <laughs> if you play more drafts, you you'll 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 overcome that. Um, yeah. Well, like, I, I forgot that card existed until you just said it now, the Spark Reaver. And I also felt like when I was playing that, that one draft that I did, that I was reading my opponent's cards quite a lot. And like, Al, what you said earlier about people making mistakes, I think this format just has loads and loads of people making mistakes because it's complicated. Um, yeah. Planeswalkers are a complicated card type by their nature. They just have so many abilities. And even the uncommon ones... Like, they act like an enchantment, but they have loyalty, and they have these activated abilities that do something, and depending on whether you're ahead or behind, they can be good or bad, and I feel like people often forget about the acti- or the, the static abilities. Uh, I mean, I've done it myself. Even in standard, I've had, I, I'd say, approaching double-digit opponents trying to uh, make me discard cards or sacrifice things when I have a Tamiyo on board. Uh, yeah, I did that. I did that today. Even though I've been playing Tamio in other decks as well, I still did it when I was playing against Tamio. Yeah, I, <laughs> I almost did it. I was like, I was pulling, I was dragging my Angrath's Rampage out onto the board, and I was like, wait, I'm going to use this Bedevil instead because that doesn't work. Oh, God. So, yeah, I, I'm not just saying like the other people are idiots. I'm also an idiot. I've been doing real stupid things. I like, uh, I can't remember what happened. Uh, <laughs> I, well, my opponent had me in an awful spot. They had a Teferi Time Raveler and Narset on the board, and I just like main phased my my um, Chemister's Insight and just just I discarded my Chemister's Insight for four mana. Oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, uh, complicated format, very easy to make mistakes. Make sure you're reading cards and uh, paying attention to what is on the board. Uh, that's why I like the the look of the red black deck because you just sacrifice all your. All your planeswalkers that are just hanging around adding extra rules to the game, you're like, no, get out of here. 
I'm going to sacrifice you for two plus one plus one counters on my cat. Yeah, that cat's pretty pretty good. Um, the Venice cat. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, like you're on saying it's a very good, uh, very good. Um, your early drop that has evasion that you know, puts pressure on planeswalkers to prevent them from taking over the game. Yeah, it's really important. Any creature that's able to do that, able to hit one of the the uncommon planeswalkers, and so they so they can only take down once instead of twice or whatever is is that's definitely you want you want a couple of those in your deck for sure. Yeah. That's also why I think the Planeswalker that I've liked the most, um, no, I, I haven't played with it, but I've had, in that draft where I went like 2-2, I had two of my opponents play it against me, was uh, Angrath, and I think he is really good, because give, giving all yeah. your menace just means that you you can just uh, attack the opponent's Planeswalkers without fear most of the time. Yeah, and it could be backbending to, to try and defend against a uh, yeah, whole team getting menace, and yeah, he's just... Yeah. I'm asking to uh, every turn, or yeah, for two turns. Do you guys have any any thoughts on what are maybe like? Well, I know I know you guys said already what the best colors are, or what your opinion are for the best colors. Do you have any opinions on the worst color? White, I think. Yeah, I've been I've been in white um, very rarely. Um, it's, it's not many things put me into white. Um, yeah, I'm not not high in white. Yeah, like the. I don't know. It just seems like the like the commons aren't very good in general. Like, there's no good white two drop. I don't think the Pegasus kind of should be good. You would think, but I think it just doesn't have enough support around it. And um, I think like the remo- the two mana removal spell, the uh, Gideon's Reproach reprint. What's it called? Divining Arrows or something like that. For yeah, an attacking or blocking creature that just doesn't seem that good in this format. Um, like it's fine, obviously, but it just it doesn't seem like it's as good as it has been previously. So I just think there's not there's never really much reason to like pull you into white. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like the tapper is really good, obviously. I think the best best card. Yeah, have. yeah. I, I, I think the tapper is probably the only thing that would draw me into white. Um, yeah, without without a passivism passivism um, effect or a, the champ based removal that common. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's hard it's hard to convince you to go into white in, in the draft. Yeah, I think you would have to open like you know, feather or some rare like that or something and, and, and then get like the red, the Boros, like um, tent district legionnaire or whatever it's called. You know, I think you would need like a big draw like that to get, to get you into the color combo. Like it, it doesn't seem like where you'll naturally end up just because the other, just the cards you're seeing in other colors early in packs just to me seem to be much more powerful in general. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, I feel like the rogue deck, um, say the red, white, rogue, basic, rogue, like deck. Um, it's something that it, it, it's hard to put together, um, because it's, it has so many moving pieces and it's, it's, if you do put it together, like even slightly incorrectly, uh, you'll just kind of draw the wrong half or draw dead. Uh, but like, well, when that, when, when that does work, that works very, very well. So I, I couldn't see myself, um, yeah, being, being, especially being in, in those quarters, uh, Boros, Boros in particular, uh, unless I was very sure that, um, I could pull off the rogue deck. Yeah, definitely. And I think the uncommon planeswalkers in white are than the other colors too, right? Like uh Dovin isn't all that good and Teo isn't particularly good either. Yeah, yeah. And there's um is it what Teo's light shield, that's uh, the creature. Um that, that's that I whenever I look at that card, it's like this is this is very bad for uncommon. Yeah, definitely I agree. So yeah, uh, I think white. Yeah. It does have the wanderer though, which I've heard a lot of people speak fairly highly highly about. Yeah, the Wanderer is good, and and Wanderer Strike is is pretty good in the format as well. I think that's a good spell. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's not like unplayable. It's not terrible, but it's just like every time I look at packs, I there just seem to be like stronger things drawing me to to pretty much every other color. Yeah, that's that's been my experience as well. Um, I I I think one of the times I did have the Wanderer in my deck, um, 
I found myself with some more than once there's been situations where there is just no target target for it. Um, and yeah, we'll go and play it out. All right. Well, uh, do you guys have any opinions on best cards or cards that have stood out to you the most? Maybe we could we could expand that to cards that have stood out to you the most in positive ways and negative ways, like cards that you expected to be good but were not, or cards that you tried thinking, okay, this is like barely playable, but I need a twenty third card and turned out to be great. I think like every oh, rare in the set is just busted. <laughs> seems yeah. like <laughs> seems like everyone just has four or five rares in their deck and they're all amazing. Maybe that's the playing on arena effect as well. I'm playing sealed. I know that exacerbates that because people always play their good rares. But it, the games just seem so swingy to me, and it's like it's all rares basically pushing it back and forth. As Al said, like the rare planeswalkers, like Sarkin is absolutely insane. Like that card is unbeatable. Like Ugin is is unbeatable. Like Chandra is really good. That's a rare as well. Like uh, like those cards are all great. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like all the finales, all the all the God Eternals, they're mythics, right? But they're all absolutely busted. Mm. It just seems like every every game, like once you get into the late game, is just like you you like play like a busted rare and then you win the game unless your opponent plays a different busted rare the next turn. Like I've had several games like that that's just like back and forth, just like rare, 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 one turn after the next and the game just keeps swinging back and forth, which is fun. That's like a really big fun gameplay experience and it's kind of different from normal limited. But uh, I could see it getting a little bit tiresome as time goes on. You know, you know what I mean. It's, it feels like yeah, a, yeah. like like yeah, a lot of variance in the format depending on your deck. Yeah, yeah, and it's, and it's um, like some of these some of these rare planeswalkers even just have a huge amount of loyalty. Uh, like we mentioned before, uh, Ral. Like when Ral comes down, you know, he goes up to six, and uh, sometimes you just have to just look at Ral on board. You're thinking, all right, I'm just not, I, I'm not, I can't afford to deal with Ral. Uh, I just have to let my opponent scry every turn and. Just hope that they uh, don't have any good instance of sorceries to to copy. Yeah. But then having said that, yes. Yeah. yeah. But then have, yeah, having said that, there, there was a game where I was on one. Um, I I had uh I was top decking with uh Ral out, and I was thinking, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a way I can get back into this. Uh, then I drew Enter the God Eternals, and oh, copying Enter the God Eternals is pretty bananas. Um, wow. My opponent had the Pig God out, and I was like, oh, this Pig God is just gonna is just gonna kill me. Um. But then, uh, yeah, I was able to get rid of it and the God Eternals. And, uh, yeah, gain eight life and make a giant creature. Oh, and you were able to properly get rid of it as well. I think I wouldn't... Well, I don't think it would. Um, I, I killed... I Because by the time it died... But it's, it's still... The, the, the trigger went on the stack after it died. Um, though the melee happens before it goes back into the library. So I, I didn't permanently deal with it. I suppose if I, if I could have killed... If I could have killed it another way, um, or killed it with one, one of the copies, um, that would have dealt with it permanently, but... I guess so, but by the time he played it again, I just had an eight eight, so she could no longer attack properly, properly uh, into into me. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going through the list of cards in the set here, and I'm trying to find where it's not good. Uh, <laughs> the elder spell. Yeah, the yeah. elder spell. I was considering main decking and sealed because I figured like there'd be so many planeswalkers running around. I ended up not doing it, and the best one sealed. I kind of wish I had because like every game I did see a lot of planeswalkers. In draft, I presume you have to sideboard. It's probably probably not coming in a lot of the time. I would imagine. Yeah, um, I, I never I never played with it, but I suppose I have played decks I've had that that, that have had uh, very few planeswalkers, or maybe I think even played few decks had no planeswalkers. Um, so we obviously do get situations where it's just going to be a deck card. I mean, it would be absolutely insane though if it, like if you had a planeswalker as well, because even the uncommon planeswalkers. Putting two loyalty counters, that's at least getting you one activation for most of them. What about you, Al? Any other cards that you think? 
Uh, and I, I suppose the cards that surprised me, I suppose I mentioned already, um, yeah, Flux Chandler, Flux Chandler definitely being one. Uh, then yeah, the, the one-two flyer, uh, the Strix. Um, yeah, no, just, I don't think there's anything in particular. Um, I think I need the bounce spell. I think I I didn't expect the bounce spell to, to be that good. Because mm. um, you can see them as being like a sort yeah, sort of speed bounce. You get a one-one, but uh, yeah, there are lots of situations where yeah, you you can you, know, you, you kill a large army. Um, or yeah, like we're like we're talking the same before. It's almost like a stealing army. If you if you cast on a one-one, you get a one-one. Uh, yeah, so it's still mind control. Nice. Um, yeah, like again, still going down the rares here. Even a rare that we kind of dismissed out of hand is like well i've heard that it's pretty good role reversal we just like we talked about it for like 10 seconds or something then we were like yeah this is terrible we were I talking about it for a standard though right we were yeah, talking yeah. about it for limited were we not i thought we were talking about it in general i, th- I think it was with standard in mind i think it's i don't know it's pretty it's pretty good in limited yeah maybe yeah, i'm wrong right. maybe maybe we said it was bad in limited. yeah well i, I know why i was saying i was advocating that it was good in standard and uh, i understand why that would be the case i, I just saw that as a enchantment removal for um blue red Evolution Sage is pretty busted. I don't think I realized that. The 3-2, uh, 2 and a green 3-2, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, proliferate. Yeah, that's bananas. Uh, yeah, I think um, yeah, the deck I've done has uh, both that and uh, Karn's Bastion, which is uh, the, the land they tap for proliferate. Uh, yeah, I think between Evolutionary Sage and um, Folk Chandler, Chandler, like if you're if you're able to just proliferate um, you know, every turn, um, you, you don't even need that much investment to be able to you know, leverage that into a win. Yeah, pretty much every time I've played it, I've ended up with a board full of like six sixes and seven sevens a couple turns later without even really trying. Yeah, yeah, like even like if, if like a lot of times I just had, uh, yeah, I've had a green teacher, yeah, evolutionary sage with uh, just one counter on it. And uh, even that, that, so I was just playing like, yeah, basically landfall, uh, this gets plus one, plus one counter. Um, like even that was just enough to to turn it into a massive threat. It's pretty good. Once you have a card like that, are you prioritizing like ways to get counters on your creatures, or are you finding that they just kind of come naturally anyway? Yeah, I, I found that I've had to um, put some effort, probably put some put some effort to get stuff counters and stuff. I think um, like something like uh, there's a the tree mana wood uh, one menace that you can put a plus one counter on something. Uh, like that's something that it's 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 I kind of usually rate that kind of quite low. But that goes up a little bit, you know, in, in your valuation when you when you know you have pretty free payoffs. So yeah, some, some, like, I think I think some cards you'll be playing anyway also just happen to give a plus one plus counter. Like um like in your in your green decks, you probably will be playing uh, New Horizons, uh, which fits in yeah pretty well with your your free team. Yeah, speaking of New Horizons, how are you guys finding splashing in the format? So like I was watching a stream a while ago. It was uh it was actually Sean Sean Fitz's stream where he was streaming the the like pre-release event the the streamer pre-release with ollie and a few other players from ireland and there were some people in the chat who persisted and repeated that there was no fixing in the format and i was just scratching my head going what are these people talking about there's new horizons there's paradise druid there's centaur nurture there's guild globe there's the uh the other artifact the three mana one mana geode uh there's yeah, this- Gateway Plaza as well, like common. There's Gateway Plaza. Sorry, what did you say, Kieran? Did you say Gateway Plaza? Sorry, yeah, Gateway Plaza as well, yeah. Yeah, what the... Like, there's loads of fixing. <laughs> yeah, people talk a lot about you can yeah. drop, like, five-color green deck. I, I haven't actually done it myself, but 
yeah, I mean, splashing definitely seems pretty easy to me in the format. I've, I've been picking, the couple drafts I did, I've been picking Gateway Plaza a lot higher than I did in the last couple Ravnica formats. Obviously, we don't have Guild Gates, so you kind of need to take it higher. Uh, and it's been really good because the format isn't that aggressive, so I found like I've always had time to take a turn off to play it, uh, and I've never had to stretch my mana base that much to splash. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I never really had any problems with splashing. I mean, the only problems I had with splashing was reading the splashing cards wrong, uh, which happened uh, at pre-release a lot. But um, yeah, I think it's because, like we like were saying, because rares are so powerful. Uh, if you're if you open if you're if you're in you know blue green and you open a Zarkhan, you just have to pay it, and it's you can just usually instantly have the uh, have the fixing uh, in your in your pool to do that. I found a bad rare. What is it? Silent Submersible. Oh, so is that not uh, one of the best cards of the set, according to people? I was I was reading some comments by <laughs> an unnamed uh, commenter on the, this is our. <laughs> Magic uh, Facebook group. Yeah, I think people must have just misread the card and thought it was unblockable or something like that. I don't know how everyone, anyone ever thought this card was good. It should be unblockable. Yeah, it, it should have some form of evasion. Yeah, I, 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 when I saw this, I assumed that at one point during development, it must have had a keyword. Um, yeah, maybe can't be blocked by non-blue creatures or something like something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it's not good. I feel like um, sick bragging rights. So can't be blocked by creatures with power greater than would be like a good like greater than something would be a, a good one for it um but yeah i don't know yeah weird yeah uh, speaking of artifacts i, I, I forgot to say that was a, a sick brag that um in my my the last draft i did in paper i had um i opened so i had current so i was basically playing a uh, jundek uh you know, base green uh it's kind of splashing but it was a little bit of uh red a little bit of black um so i was playing current um and i had uh, the red vehicle so it's like yeah he cruise red vehicle and turn, turns it into a turns it into a tree tree but i also had a uh, bonus of citadel in the sideboard to go get with crowns with her ability uh so it was like because it's like because I, I didn't have any back sources um i had a lot of fixing but maybe i think it like four swamps and some fixing um so like bonus of citadel was definitely something i could put my main deck because it would, it would just be a dead draw if i if i drew a draw time but uh, being able to just specifically go get that when i knew i was able to cast it uh, it was pretty nuts, and then uh, Karn turns into a six-six. Uh, that wasn't enough. That's pretty awesome. I, I was gonna yeah. say that Karn is another rare that is not very good, but I guess you found a use. Yeah, I, I don't think I would have played him if I uh, didn't have those two things. Um, yeah, his his. Uh, I, 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 some situation came up where um, his uh, static ability uh, came into came into play, but I will continue trying. I think a lot of the time in sealed, you'll probably play Karn because you're gonna have a lot of crappy artifacts that you don't want to put in your deck, but might be useful to tutor up late in the game if there's a board stall. Like, that might just be a good enough reason to, to play Karn. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. stuff yeah, stalls yeah. out, and you just get to you just get to go tutor up the 2-3 flyer for 4, or, you know, just just stuff like that. I, I can see it being a thing. Get to tutor up God Pharaoh statue? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's true. Uh, I think at one point... Or, uh, yeah. Coley told me he... Uh, had had a Karn in a deck with the Parhelion 2 in the sideboard, and he tutored that up and crewed it oh, in Karn. God. Makes it into, you know, an 8-8. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah it's pretty sick. <laughs> Alright, well, hopefully we all get to live that dream at some point, uh, but I think that'll probably wrap it up for our discussion of War of the Spark Limited. I hope, hopefully I get to play some, I hope it rotates into the ranked, ranked draft on Arena soon, because I'd like to I'd like to play someone and be able to contribute my meager ideas because I think uh, I'll probably continue to lose a lot because, as I mentioned to you guys, I am losing a lot in Standard. 
All right, well, hopefully our discussion here will turn that around and we'll figure out this format. Yeah, um, I can... I'll start off by saying that... Yeah, sorry, you, you go ahead, you go ahead. I was, I was going to start off by saying I haven't played any of it, so I can't help. Oh, <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, I I cannot figure out... I've been playing quite a lot. At all. Sorry, say that again. Uh, I was saying I've I've been playing quite a lot. I uh, I've I've been enjoying it. I've played I've been playing Simic Nexus, uh, White Weenie, uh, with the New Gideon, a little bit of Mono Red, and then different uh, different Sultai kind of decks as well. Okay, I have also been bouncing around trying different decks. I've also played Simic Nexus, also played Mono Red. Haven't played any White Weenie because I don't have cards for that on Arena. It's one of the only kind of major archetypes that I don't really have cards for. Um, what else have I played? I haven't played any Sultai, but I have played lots of Grixis Control, Blue Black Mid Range slash Control, um, Gruel in various forms. But yeah, I basically feel like every time I choose a deck, I immediately get matched up against the worst matchup for that deck. And I know that this is like a thing that people go through or they say to themselves in their minds, and there's it's like a trap or whatever, right? But I genuinely feel like that's happening to me. It's like <laughs> I'm playing Simic Nexus and it's going great and I'm winning. Great. That was what happened like the first couple of days of the format. Doing fine because it was like ridiculously powerful. And then everybody cottons on and everybody starts playing White Weenie and Mono Red. So I start losing. Okay, I go. That's fine. I'll just play. Uh, I'll try Grixis Control. Grixis Control is also not good against Sultai and Mono Red, or at least the builds that I was playing are good against Sultai and Mono Red. Or when I tweak them to be, like I put extra Cry of the Carnariums and like Ritual of Soot and Moment of Cravings in my deck, I immediately get matched up against Esper Control and I can't win. Or Nexus and I can't win. Then I'm like, okay, I'll try uh, Gruel Midrange or Gruel Stompy. And immediately I get matched up against Esper Control. Which, like, you can win, but it's probably your worst matchup. Uh, or like Nexus as well. Also, you can win, but it's probably a worse match. Uh, and yeah, I just keep going around and around in a big cycle like that. And every time I might win one or two, and then I just play like against like three really bad matchups in a row and get frustrated and then just quit the game. Well, I think it's not so bad to quit the game when you get frustrated. That's probably going to help you not, not lose more, take a break when you're tilting off. But do you come back then and you change deck? Is that what's happening? Because I think you probably just got to play the same deck for a longer period is what it sounds like. Yeah, maybe. Just got to stick with... Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm... I feel like I'm okay in terms of, like, proficiency with all the decks that I'm playing. Like, the, I would say the three main decks that I've been playing are uh, Simic Nexus, Grixis Control of some description, and Gruel. And, like, I played Gruel so much last season that I, I feel like I'm decent with that one. Um... Grixis, I feel like I also played with Grixis quite a lot, like last season and the one before that. So I feel like I'm I'm okay there. I like I I understand how to play those tap out control style decks. And then Simic Nexus is the one that's like the newest to me, but I got it pretty quickly. Um, like I feel like I'm when I play like Tamio and stuff, I'm naming the right things usually. I feel most of the time. Um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going wrong. This is like the worst. I think it's the worst. Like performance that i've ever had in a, a stretch of time in a standard season mm. yeah I, 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 I don't think, obviously it, it almost sounds like um i mean 
in a way, I've always felt that people talked about uh, like oh, you know, they have a, a finger on the pulse of what the meta, what the, what the meta is. Um, they want to read on, on a given day or a given week uh, during a given period of time, and it's something that you can you can you can meta, meta against. And it sounds like that's the mentality you have that you're you're, you're capable of just like looking looking at the meta game and and you choose the deck that 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 you know, that's most appropriate. Uh, but maybe just because of this reset, you know, in my experience, um, you know, when when I was like grinding through silver or, or gold. Uh, it's it's. I always felt like the meta has been like very hard to predict and very very hard to uh, you know reliably. Um, it's been very hard to reliably pick a deck that suits the meta because the meta was shifting so often. Um, so maybe just because of this reset, you're just uh, at a position in the ladder that you're not usually in, uh, where um, you know where where you know playing the meta is less important uh, than just you know play, playing solidly with a, with, a, with a deck you're used to. Um, so maybe like you're saying, just um, yeah, just pick a deck for longer. Yeah, maybe so. You could be right. I do do a lot of that, like where I'm seeing a deck and then I switch to a new deck. I'm seeing a lot of a deck and then I switch to a new one. And like, it always feels like I'm instantly bitten by that. I always like, I'm playing Grixis. I play against Mono Red a bunch of times. Okay, I'm going to switch to Gruul because I'm sick of losing to Mono Red. Now I play against Esper Control. Great. Loads of fun. Um, But yeah, I think because I'm doing that, that's making me feel worse then when I... When I when I make that switch and then get matchup, I actually feel worse than I would have if I just kept playing the same deck and even if I lost with that deck. Um, yeah, I think th- th- this is a good opportunity for me to like take this as a learning experience and and understand what I'm doing wrong or is there anything that's under my control? Yeah, I think it's a good experience for me to grow and I like intellectually I can understand what's going on, but. Uh, when it comes to your emotions, I think it's a different it's a different matter. And yeah, you you also might be right that it, in the in the lower tiers or like not the lower tiers, but like as in the 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 ladder before mythic, uh, it might be better to just stick with one deck because like there is a lower limit on where you can go. Like the I'm still in um I'm still in platinum. I'm in like platinum two or platinum one. So like the lowest I can fall is platinum four. So eventually I'll hit, a win, I'll hit a win streak and get out of Platinum, no matter what deck I'm playing, really. Whereas when you're in Mythic, I suppose that's where you have to be more adaptable because you have to kind of ride the rankings from day to day. Uh, but I think if you listen to other Mythic players or read other Mythic players' comments on Reddit, they do tend to say that it's it's important to be able to make those, um, make those adaptations from, from day to day and even sometimes from hour to hour in when you're playing like that when if, if you want to be on top of the on top of the ladder like it really does you see the rise of decks in like real time it's crazy like all of a sudden the other day i just played against this uh bolus citadel deck like five times in a row it just came out of nowhere have, have you seen have you guys seen this deck i think i heard something about it but no i haven't played against yeah is this the one to the, uh, the green black with the explorer package yeah, so it plays Bolus of Citadel, which is the six mana enchantment that we we had mentioned before. That it lets you play. You can look at the top card of your library and, and play it, but you have to pay life instead of mana. And and it also plays um, Path of Discovery, which is the four mana enchantment that says uh, whenever you a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it explores. And then it also plays Wild, that's pretty cool. Wildgrow Walker. So once you assemble those three things. You just pay life for whatever comes off the top of your library, and then it enters the battlefield and explores and gives you three life back. So like, or even if it's if it's an explore creature itself, like if it's a Jade Light Ranger, you pay three life for it and it gives you nine life back, and it can be like a five four. So it's hilarious. the The deck just if it can assemble the combo, sometimes it literally just goes off and plays a whole deck in one turn. 
By wow, God. Cool. Wait, what happens when you run into, like, clumps of lands, then? I guess you're exploring. Yeah, you're, you're exploring them away, but also the deck runs Wayward Swordtooth, so you can play, like, two lands in a row. Ah, gotcha, okay. And then, like, if you run into yeah, Swordtooth, you play another two lands in a row. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm looking at this here, that's playing a uh, guy's Blessing. Is that the... <laughs> Does that make sense to have in this deck? Yes, because... Yes, you can recurred. Yeah, you don't want to... You don't want to deck yourself. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I gotta, I gotta try this out. I have, um, I have, I do have lots of bonus of citadels from uh, Draft Weekend. That was a promo, and I, I opened some. So, uh, yeah, I'll give this a go. Yeah, and then obviously a, another way to win is by activating the ability on bonus of citadel, where you sacrifice ten non-land permanents, and each opponent loses ten life. You have to do that over two turns, but like it's not, it ends up not being uh, very difficult for that deck to do that. Yeah. How do you beat Nexus with this deck? You don't? Yeah, well, th- this is one of the things that tilted me so much, because the first two times that I played against this deck, I was playing Nexus, and I lost. Um, really? Yeah, I just didn't have enough fogs or whatever. I never, I didn't draw into the pieces. All, all the pieces were, like, in the bottom 30 cards or whatever. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, every subsequent time I've beaten it, but yeah, pretty much you don't. But, like, after sideboard, they have, you know, the usual kind of disruption elements. They have duress, they have... Um, enchantment destruction cards so they, they can still they can win of course after sideboard if they draw the right mix of threats and disruption i guess it sounds like a very tough matchup i mean i'm always amazed by how much pressure jade light ranger alone can put on somebody like it's a five turn clock yeah. by itself yeah that's true so yeah that's uh one of the cool decks when i lost to it i was like how is this happening what what is going on because i thought it was just like somebody's brew that i was losing to but uh, I guess it is just somebody's brew. Every deck is just somebody's brew. But I uh, thought it was like Joe Schmo's brew. But some somebody, I'm actually not sure who to attribute this deck to, but I'm, I'm sure somebody popular put it together because I saw it so many times in such a short space of, uh, such, such a short yeah. space of matches that uh, somebody somebody popular must have streamed it or something like that. Yeah, I think Stafford Olive streamed it at one point. Uh, he's talking about it on Twitter. Okay. So I guess we can <laughs> blame him for it. Ah, yeah, I... The bastard. Yeah, <laughs> it is funny though when a deck that he makes becomes popular or like is good or whatever. I think I always think that's really funny. Yeah, yeah. Because not because he's bad or yeah, he's, he's up. the opposite. He's he's like a really good and creative deck builder. So, but like his decks tend to be jank. So when he like stumbles upon something that's good, again, I, I don't even know if we can attribute this deck to him. But when he does stumble upon something that's good, it's like always really funny to me. Yeah, exactly. Like I was mentioning before, he had that, um, uh, oh, like during, was it Aether Revolt, he had a, a Paradox Engine deck. Uh, and I was like, it was something when he described it, I just thought it was absolutely, I just thought it was terrible. But um, uh, yeah, he just had, um, he, he just assembled this combo with like the, the whale and the giant lizard. Uh, just, basically, just basically reliably being able to make, uh, yeah, so I think he, he, yeah, it was Aetherworks Marvel and uh, the Paradox Engine. So just, just um, constantly, constantly being able to cast a spell that's giving him six, six uh, energy. Uh, and untapping uh, the uh, the the Aetherworks Marvel and just uh, using it again, using it again. Um, so it's even like, it's, it's when I saw the list first, I thought it was just an abomination. I just thought it was a joke. Then uh, looking at his stream, he was he was going off quite reliably with it. Uh, once he got once he got Paradox Engine on the battlefield, uh, he was able to go off. Yeah, sometimes it just comes together. Yep, uh, I'm gonna try this out. <laughs> you you've made me look up the name of the big lizard. It's Etherwind Basker. Hmm. Etherwind Basker. Okay. Yeah. What a great card. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think everybody goes through this wolf though, get it back to the point and like uh it's just something you got you gotta play through or take a break or you know, it's like poker players talk about this a lot. It's kind of like everyone goes through like these downswings, you know? And uh 
at least in Magic, you're not losing money when you're doing it. It's it's, it's rougher in poker, I think. True, very true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, uh, like yeah but... before, like logically, I d- I do understand that, but the emotions are so tough. Yeah, so tough. Yeah, but, yeah. But, yeah, but I think there's a it's, yeah. At it as a learn- poker is a meme is the best thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think when poker is a meme that people joke and say online poker is rigged, uh, which is kind of like what you're saying about Arena in terms of it's almost like Arena knows uh, what deck you're playing and it's uh, posing the it's playing it's matching pairing you with decks that you're bad at. Um, maybe there could be a meme in here somewhere, or maybe there's someone out to get you. I mean, there is the like super tinfoil hat theory that it actually is rigged in that way uh, because they want people to build more decks, but that's probably. Two tinfoil tinfoil hat. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty absurd if, if they were two that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's been my experience of standard. You guys have anything different, or like I, I know, Karen, you said you've been playing. What decks you've been playing? Uh, is there anything that you'd like to investigate in the future, or anything that you've seen played against that was impressing you? Uh, yeah. So I'd like to try out Esper Hero, the Esper Midrange list, playing Hero Precinct One. Uh, I haven't got the chance to try those. I wasn't really interested in them last season, but it seems like they've, they've got a couple more tools now uh, to kind of tempo people out with Tyrant Scorn, and they've got the new three mana Teferi as kind of an interesting sort of tempo card that that also like turns Nexus off single-handedly, which is really nice. So I want to try that deck. Uh, as well as that, uh, I want to try this new mono-red list that won the SCG Open with uh, the four Chandra in the main instead of playing Experimental Frenzy. Uh, that card just seemed like an absolute bomb in creature matchups, just seemed impossible to deal with. Um, so those are the two lists I'm, I'm going to try next, I think. Sweet. Yeah, the uh, the three mana Teferi is, like you said, single-handedly turns around the the Nexus matchup. It's an absolute nightmare for Nexus. Like The best way to deal with it is uh, like a Blast Zone, usually, or maybe a Callous Dismissal, but even then it's probably able to come back down next turn and get some value. Um, it bounces enchantments. It's like really annoying. You, you see them when they play it and you have <laughs> you have your search for Ascanta out and they like mouse over your search for Ascanta. They mouse over your graveyard and then they minus three on your search for Ascanta and you're like, oh my God, this is so annoying. It's so wild. Yeah, it's really wild. <laughs> Just the, 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 to play your to play your uh, your Nexus of Fate at, at, at instant speed is, is just absolutely oh, so backbreaking for the for the archetype and yeah I, I, I think I very very quickly started to see Teferi like as a main deck like the first time it was brought in from the sideboard against me I was like oh no oh no this is real bad and then it started creeping into people's main decks and now I'm pretty sure like like you said the Esper Hero deck is is main decking usually like a copy or two? Uh, the Esper Esper control lists are usually main decking like two or three copies. It's getting really crazy, which is another reason I'm I'm sure why Mono Red succeeded so heavily this weekend at the SEG because when people are taking those Kayas out of their Esper main decks and putting into Fairy Time Raveler, they're losing a lot of points against Mono Red. So I suppose That's very true. that leads us on to talking about the the SCG Open. Yeah, it was a good event. I don't know how many 
uh, rounds you guys got to watch, I watched pretty much the whole top eight and and a couple of the Swiss rounds. Just uh, I think fourteen and fifty, fourteen and fifteen leading into it. Uh, it was a lot of really good magic. Magic. The lists were really interesting. There was kind of a funny incident where there was a Simic Nexus, Nexus player going off, and his opponent got a bit salty and, and left the table. Said he had to use the bathroom, even though it was only like ten minutes into the into game one in the round. You know, so it seemed a little bit unlikely. But got the judge to uh, to sit there and, and watch the other the opponent go off, and he took like. 20 minutes off the clock instead of just conceding the game when his opponent had pretty much got the combo and had the game locked up. Uh, he didn't end up, the round didn't end up going to time, but it's like a very, very silly decision to make to me. And even the commentators were calling it out. Yeah, that seems to be, I mean, that's probably tilt, right? I mean, from, I, I only picked up Nexus this season, really. And uh, I don't know if other people know about this, but you can turn off emotes in the game. So I have emotes turned off, but I know. I know damn well that when I'm going off with my Nexus deck and my opponent makes me do the whole thing, even when it's obvious that I've gone well past the point where I'm not going to fail, when they make me do the whole thing, take all the turns, uh, bounce stuff with my Callus Dismissal loads of times so that I can have a big enough uh, army token to kill them in a reasonable amount of time, they make me go through the whole process and I know they're just emoting at me the whole time, but I can't... I have turned off. Uh, but you know, the ultimate uh, reply to that is once once your library is empty and you're uh, plusing Tamiyo every turn, you have to uh, name Wishcoin Crab as the card that's left in your deck. Why? Wishcoin Crab? Because you don't have it and you, it's just funny to name weird cards like that. <sighs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, did, I did start naming weird cards at one point. Uh, I don't remember what I what I named. Yeah, I, I didn't name Wishcoin Crab, I did name something stupid. Wish coin crab is my speciality. So if anyone listening gets Nexus comboed online and their opponent does that, you might be playing against me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, maybe that's just the key you're missing to this format, Wolf, is uh, you got to get your Wish coin crab game uh, online. Damn. I feel like I need to choose like another card, though. What can be my card? Um, any, any draft chaff, really, I feel is good. Yeah, some similarly offensive card that nobody likes. I'll, I'll work on it and, and try and come up with something for next week. There's a bug. Did you Have you noticed this when you search for Nexus of Fate in the list? You can name whale, Maelstrom Wanderer Emblem as the card. Yeah, I did. Oh, wow. It's very, very strange. Yeah, it's weird. It's from the um, Omniscience mode, I think. That's, yeah. that's the emblem that gives you the Omniscience. Yeah, it's so... Oh, wow. I think... Searching for searching for card names or searching for like creature types is always really funny because they have like well for card names they just have all the all the normal ones that are in standard at the moment but again it can be funny because you search for those those stupid ones that nobody is expecting uh, but also when you search for creature types it's very funny like I think somebody posted on Reddit there the other day that they had a, a Gideon who was a brushwag. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, they said his creature type to a brushwag, but they did it. Or I always enjoy when I'm the Gruel Warrior deck. When you search for warrior, you just type like you type in war, and like the two things that come up are warrior and coward. Which of course, oh yeah, yeah, cowards can't block warriors, which is very funny. Um, yeah, I enjoy little things like that. All right, should... yeah, it's a pity. It's a pity when I'm going off with Nexus, I can't name uh, Abandon Hope. <laughs> What there must, be some, there must be some other card like with a similar name like that. Maybe uh, the new Deliver Unto Evil. You could name that. Nah, that's not. That's too too far. 
Can't name Garbage Fire either. That's another one. No. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, Akans Run uh, is uh, is another go-to. We yeah, we need to come up with the definitive uh, power rankings of cards to name for BM in uh, in Arena. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to get to work on that right away after this episode. Yeah, all right. I'm um, on Scryfall right now. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's uh, let's have a look at the decklist from the SEG Open. Um, so we'll just mainly look at the top eight. Um, so we had a pretty mono red filled top eight, and in fact, the top three decks were all mono red. Um, then we went going down the list. We've got Esper Control. Uh, Selesnya Tokens, Bant Midrange, which is another deck that I've seen pop up a lot over the last day, uh, probably as a result of this. Seventh, we've got Esper Control, and in eighth, another Bant Midrange deck. Um, So yeah, looking first, I suppose, to the Mono Red decks, uh, we can see what is different between each of them. Um, Yeah, so the the first place one, as Kieran mentioned before, is the one with four Chandra Fire Artisan in the main, uh, and that's the kind of biggest difference there um in the other decks we don't really see a lot in the way of deviation from how mono red was built before uh we do see some tybalt in the side we see one or two chandra fire artisan in the side but other than that it's like totally old cards uh one the the second place list has risk factor in the main and the third place list has experimental frenzy in the way in the main I feel like I always see these go back and forth. Like every every other deck list dump, it's ri- either Risk Factor or Experimental Frenzy that's in the main. And like I can never, like I personally don't know which one is the best. And like maybe it just depends on the metagame at, at that time. Yeah, I think Experimental Frenzy is like a lot better versus, con- or sorry, is a lot worse versus Control than Risk Factor is. So like I think it's basically if you think Control is going to be very popular is kind of how you make the decision. But I would always personally, I've always just gone with experimental friends. Yeah, maybe it's something that uh, I mean, there's there are, are some specific, specific decks that just can't deal with the resolve frenzy at all. Um, so maybe sure, uh, if if you're respecting the likes of uh, yeah, Demir or or uh, or Drakes, um, basically, basically, or basically decks that don't play green or white, um, maybe you're, you're you can more reliably win off the back of a frenzy. Yeah, mortify is a big problem, obviously, as well as. You know, against control, you're just never going to resolve uh, a frenzy. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, yeah, it, it does also depend what type of control you're expecting. Like you say, if it's Esper control, they're going to have fortify, so they can more easily they have more cards in their deck that can deal with the frenzy. Like they have their counter spells plus the mortify. Whereas if it's Grixis control, I mean, you're really punishing Grixis control there in a, in a bunch of ways. Mainly because they they often don't have many counter spells in in the main deck because they're more of a tap out control style and then they don't have anything to deal with it, which is part of the reason why Ugin the ineffable has been really really good for me in my Grixis lists because it gives you an out to any permanent type. Of course, it's six mana. It comes down often later than the problem four mana enchantments of the format, but it just does give you that out that sometimes comes up, which is nice. Um, but yeah, the the first place list playing four Chandra Fire Artists on the main. I guess we're waiting for Kieran to report back on this one, but uh, it seems good, especially if you're expecting those Esper Control lists that that we just mentioned, uh, because you cannot mortify Chandra. Well, it's just insane in creature matchups as well. I can say this from watching the the SE, just the the uh, Will Pulliam's list. It like it 
if you're in like a like a race or a board stall and you play this card, your opponent can just never attack it. Because if you're like if you're at like twelve life or less, you're just going to die from from hitting this thing multiple. It just does so much damage to you. So it's it can just it just never dies. You know what I mean? It's just once you play it, it's just on the battlefield for the rest of the game, drawing you an extra card every turn reliably. Like it's it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and, and just from what I saw on the coverage, uh, it does it gets it gets to seven very quickly. Um, it is only uh, yeah it comes out of five. Like it's it's it 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 does tra- trends ult uh, very very quickly. Um, and you by that stage of the game, you have plenty of lands in front of you to um. You know, to play most of the cards you're you're getting off. Yeah, and like, yeah, like your opponent really doesn't want to chip at this thing. Yeah, doing like doing one a turn to it is like worse than not attacking it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a that's quite put it because because there's situations where I say I've been attacking Teferi, uh, like an opposing Teferi with a one one, uh, just to keep them away from uh, ulting it. Um, so because like you know, Chandra's ult is is very very threatening uh, and and will so. Quickly end the game when it happens, uh, but you just can't prevent it from getting there uh, in that same way. Another good thing about her compared to like previous iterations of Chandra is that you can play lands from her plus one ability. Yep, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on to some of the Esper control lists. So we had one in fourth place and one in seventh place. Um, we see the usual kind of fairies and counterspell, thought erasure, sweet. Uh, few war cards making an appearance here are. Narset Parter of Veils in the main deck for one of these decks, the fourth place list. Uh, and in the other list, it's not there. So uh, Narset Parter of Veils is one, again, that I saw kind of like Teferi Time Raveler. Originally, I saw it coming out of sideboards against like Simic Nexus or against Desperate Control, against Control lists, lists in general, like lists that want to be drawing cards. And yeah, it just does a really great job of uh, shutting down that card draw. It is important to mention that it says... Uh, each turn so it also functions on your opponent's turn as i mentioned before i I did it i tried to draw some cards on my own turn i got nothing because you draw your one card for the turn but if you cast let's say an opt on your opponent's turn you will be able to draw the card because you haven't drawn a card that turn uh other cards in the main deck here are dovin's veto i feel like this has been widely adopted by any deck that can play it it's just a straight upgrade basically to negate in those type of decks um, the final word, I guess, in uh, counter spells. Uh, yeah. We've also got what else we got here? We got Teferi Time Raveler in the sideboard. Uh, we've got Oath of Kaya in the sideboard. Oath of Kaya seems pretty great uh, against any kind of uh, aggro deck. Yeah, I mean, Lightning Helix is is a pretty good card, even if you're paying three mana for it. And then in in a deck with that has the ability to go up to what nine. Nine planeswalkers? No, sorry, ten planeswalkers after board as well. That makes Oath of Kaya even better. And Teferi can bounce it if you want. Good God. It's a re- repeatable uh, Lightning Helix. Yeah. And uh, the seventh place list here from Edgar Magalhães. Uh, that's pronounced wrong, definitely. Uh, he has Teferi Time Raveler in the main. So a lot of respect there for the Nexus lists. He also has D-Spark in the main, which is in the sideboard of the other deck again despark a really good removal spell uh respecting the diversity of um card types in standard at the moment permanent types in standard so it's it's good against nexus it's good against other control lists it's good against big mid-range decks um just a versatile card but probably not enough for play sets or and i mean we see it as a one-off in each of these lists uh what else we got here some tyrant scorn tyrant scorn i've found to be great i think i I think I mentioned that last week, Al, didn't I? As a card that I thought was yeah. a big, uh, kind of a 
an all-star for me. Yeah, because I, I think it's, it's really something along the lines that, uh, of what Grixis and uh, you know, Blue Black Mid- Blue, Blue Black Control uh, have been missing. You know, it's just this kind of uh, this kind of interaction. Um, it's very it's very efficient card. It's good in lots of different situations. Um, yeah, and we see two Oath of Kaya in the main deck here as well for Edgar, and uh, two Vona Butcher of McGann in the sideboard. That's a Ooh, got it. strange one. Yeah, I don't really know what that does. <laughs> I mean, I know what it does. I don't know what, it, what it's there for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure. gain, gains life. <laughs> for, I don't know. Uh, yeah, gains life, but you also pay life. You, you can destroy non-land permanent, so I guess it can be good against Nexus as well. The five yeah. mana sorcery speed against Nexus? I'm not buying it. Yeah, f- it must be against like Soltai or something, right? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, five mana sorcery speed, and also you have to wait until it untaps or until it doesn't have summoning sickness. So, yeah, maybe not. He also has the ability to board up to a third to Fairy Time Raveler here in the sideboard. That's pretty, pretty sweet. Um, okay, and then I guess Bant Midrange, there's two of, so maybe we'll compare those next. And then there's only a one of uh, Selesnya token, so we'll get to that last, I guess. Um, these Bant midrange decks have also been popping up and becoming more popular over the last few days, as I said, probably because of this tournament. Uh, they seem to have just the, the kind of right mix of things that they can deal with anything. So they have like the value engines of the, the Hydroid Crassus uh, to go over the top of Esper Control. They have the Teferi Time Ravelers to deal with the Nexus decks. Um, they have, as I said, Hydro Crassus gains life, so that, that does them against uh, Mono Red, but they also have Knight of Autumn, uh, which can gain four life, and uh, Knight of Autumn also good against enchantment-based decks, as well as Deputy of Detention being an answer to any kind of non-permanent. Uh, I think these decks are just kind of flexible mid-range decks with a good good top end, the same way Sultai was last, uh, last season, but because they have access to Teferi Time Raveler, uh, they have this kind of They've shored up the weakness of Sultai, which which was the the Nexus decks, and then they've also got as their top end just for like mid range beater beater matchups. They've got God Eternal Oketra, which will very quickly win you the game. Kind of stalled board. Yeah, that's kind of the big card coming out of these decks. It's that's kind of the one I didn't really expect to see. Um, and it it looked great in this deck on stream from the few matches I saw, like turning your Lanor Elves late game into like actually quite a good top deck that that creates a 4-4 Vigilance when you cast it uh, is really nice because that's one of the problems with that card is, is obviously you don't want to draw it late. Uh, then also it's a really good combo with Growth Chamber Guardian as well. You just generate this enormous board full of 4-4s very, very quickly. So that card looked really good to me, definitely. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And then another new war card that we've got here is uh, Vivian Champion of the Wilds, a full 4 of in both of these lists. Uh, I think both these lists are almost exactly the same, just they just differ by like one card in the sideboard, so maybe these two, these players work together. Um, but yeah, four Vivian Champion of the Wild. So this is the the three mana Vivian that uh, gives your creature spells flash, and you can like exile the top three cards, or no, you you look at the top three cards, exile one face down, and you can cast it if it's a creature uh, anytime. And then her plus gives uh, a creature vigilance and reach. Um, so yeah, obviously another good card against control, uh, and even. Even in mid-range matchups, that makes like combat a nightmare because imagine your opponent can flash in a Hydroid Crassus in the middle of combat, or even uh, a deputy, of, a deputy of detention, uh, or an Oketra. That would also be bad. Yeah, you're flashing a uh, Shalai response to a 
<laughs> I could spell the target to you. Oh my god. Fashion is bronze to Totterager. No. Sick. And I mean, speaking yeah. of which, there's also Frilled Mystic in the deck, which plays very well with Vivian because you never know what exactly they have. They might just have the Frilled Mystic, they might have other stuff that they're holding up. Um, yeah, I think this is a really smartly built deck. Yeah, I really like yeah, a lot of this. Yeah, I like this a lot. This might be one I have to try out and then lose with. <laughs> All right, and then uh, finally we've got Selesnia Tokens. Um, let me run down here what is new. Not much in the way of new cards. The first thing that stands out to me is Gideon Blackblade. I think Gideon is a great pickup for any kind of aggressive or mid-range white decks. Uh, it can be in the main or the side. I think that's fairly... That's dependent on the deck. I think maybe for the straight white weenie decks, it's better out of the sideboard. But here in this Selesnya Tokens deck, where it's taking slightly more mid-range approach, I think uh, I think it's pretty good in the main deck. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have, know what to say about this. Like, I don't know. I feel like if you if you played Selesnya Tokens all last season and were devoted to it, you still play it. I don't, I don't get the draw of playing it. Sure. I mean, if you're expecting a lot of mono red, it's decent against mono red. It's okay. It's just it's. I feel like it's so bad against control and these Esper mid-range decks and all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've never felt a particular draw to it in last season or this season. So, and I've never played it myself, so I can't really speak to the attraction. But I mean, must be something working for this person here. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, like, uh, how would how would a slice taker against um, uh, Nexus? Very good. I mean, like maybe it's, uh, so. I suppose yeah, you're probably pretty comfortable if you're playing down turn two against Nexus and they can't deal with it straight away. Yeah, I don't even think it's that good against Nexus. I think it's pretty. Like, it, it it like the thing with Nexus is that Nexus very often like just about gets to its combo. So I think any kind of mild disruption that you can do to Nexus evens up the matchup. Yeah, I just feel like I can play around it pretty easily most of the time because most of the time you you're happy just playing stuff on your own turn anyway because that's when you're getting the mana from uh, Reclamation. Yeah, mo- most of your combo stuff does happen on your turn, but like it does sometimes prevent you from being able to flip um, uh, Search for Ascanta early uh, or as fast as you would like to. Like Sometimes you have four mana up and you have a Growth Spiral and you have a, um, a Root Snare and you need to Root Snare next turn. So you're like, you have to play your Growth Spiral. You want to play your Growth Spiral so you can get an extra land into play, but then... Uh, that well, no, sorry, that works okay with the root snare because then you can just pay three root snare. But uh, yeah, some or maybe sometimes it's a memorial to genius, and then like that doesn't work out. You have to choose between either the growth spiral or the root snare. Um, yeah, some so, sometimes yep. it just yep. puts you in a little bit of a squeeze, or you can't cast your glimmer of genius end step like you wanted to. Uh, I suppose you can just cast it in response to the to the uh, tide taker being played, but I I do think it it helps. The matchup against Simic Nexus. Yeah, I mean, yeah. In the it's, it's a little bit annoying. It's a little bit. Annoying. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not a game ender. It's not the same as like Teferi. No, that card is is difficult. I think I think Simic players are going to have to maybe just put more um, like blink effects and stuff in their decks going forward. Maybe. Like like you play a second Callistus missile maybe, so you can just blink it uh, when you need to on your turn or something like that. Mm. I mean, Blast Zone has been the way that I've been dealing with it mostly because his abilities don't affect blast zone anyway but uh i'm playing i don't know about you but i'm playing only two blast zone in my deck so it doesn't always yeah same here blast zone, blast zone is good but um 
I've I find it's like it's much better against the aggro decks and stuff. Obviously, killing killing a lot of one drops or whatever on turn four is pretty insane with it. Yeah, uh, there there are there are a lot of other decks here um, in the twenty five. I think yeah, we have the top twenty five decks of the SCG Open, but I think the we have covered most of what's there by talking about the top eight. Uh, notably, Simic Nexus was not in the top eight, but there were a few in in the top twenty five. We've also got like a few Gruel Gruel decks hanging out near the bottom. Lots of extra mono reds. Um, few more Esper Control, and then Esper Midrange, like you mentioned earlier, Kieran, we've got a couple of Esper, Esper Midrange hanging out in 10th and 11th. Uh, so overall, in terms of these 24 packs, not very diverse, really. No, I, I think it's a first week thing, though, as well. It's a, You're going to get a lot of red and stuff like that uh, first week of a new standard format, so uh, I wouldn't take that as being too much of a negative. Yeah, so yeah, it came from coverage that uh, you know, last year's Cyber Plans, or last season's Cyber Plans, uh, you know, don't let don't, don't don't line up very well with uh, new Deferi and the new Tamio. Um, so it's kind of it's almost like you have to kind of a lot of mid range decks have to reassess the way to deal with uh, the, ne- the Nexus matchup and the uh, and the, the expert control matchup. Um, so it's kind of like we're kind of seeing like a um, like a polarization in the format of people kind of you know, broadly speaking, it's really between Mono Red and uh, the Nexus decks uh, as being the most represented. Um, we have so even, even though some mid range decks are maybe to the top eight, um, you know the middle really is uh, being squeezed here. Yeah, I would agree with that. And like conspicuous by its absence here is Sultai. Yeah, that's very surprising. Um, like the premier mid-range deck of last format is just like nowhere to be seen here. And like I'm sure people are playing it. People must have sleeped off their Sultai decks. That, you know, throw Liliana in there and you're good to go. Yeah, that, that's. What, I was just gonna say I, th- I think it just too badly to Nexus, so people didn't want to play it if they were scared of that week one. Yeah, yeah, that would be the case. Yeah. I do think though that. The, the classic idea of, uh, well, mono-red or aggressive decks always do well in week one does have, like, it does have its place here. But at the same time, I feel like there's something else going on. Like like Al said, the way that, like, the middle's being squeezed here, I think, I don't know, the, I, I'm sure, like, everybody can attest now that the metagame moves so, so fast on Arena. Like we mentioned earlier, you can see the meta changes, like, from... Not even just from day to day, but sometimes from like morning to, to evening, you see the, the, the metagame shift. And I, I really do feel that this metagame that was in, in SCG Richmond was actually representative of where the Arena metagame was trending to. So I feel like Arena is really pumping up the skill level of like all players and making a lot more players connected to the metagame from day to day in a way that they weren't before. Uh, like we used to talk about things on a week to week basis, but now I think it's moving a lot faster than that. Yeah, sure, actually. Um, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, maybe so. I think people are still going to have an idea for the coming weekend. You know what I mean? What's going to be big, you know, at a given tournament or something like that. That's still, you're going to prepare in the same way, I think, right? Especially for these SCG events, which, you know, maybe a little bit inbred. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Something I guess on, on that same point, I'm, I'm something that I'm noticing locally as well. Like say of our you know, our weekly standard showdown, like it would have been the case maybe a few years ago, maybe a year ago or, or a year and a half ago, where uh, it'd be likely that there, there won't be many people in the shop that would play uh, regularly on Magic Online. So like, sometimes I'd feel like that. Um, oh, I'm the I, I'm I'm the only person playing every night, and I'm the only person like tuned into what the 
what the standard metagame is at the moment. But now it's just a given that it's everyone who's played Arena uh, regularly. So I think there's a lot of players who are just playing more often uh, than they would have uh, comparison to the previous seasons. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I think that is true. Um, and I guess, like in many ways, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good thing because if if the average like skill level of the average player that you're playing against is higher, then that kind of moves everybody up a tier, which is, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, we have nattered on for quite a while now about a draft. Well, <laughs> all forms of limited and standard. So uh, I think we'll wrap it up here. Thanks for listening. And you can email us if you want, if you want to let us know about any sweet new decks or if you want to help me out with my sideboard tech because I keep losing to everything. Uh, you can email us, skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com. That's crack spelled C-R-A-I-C. Uh, you can tweet at us, at Skullcrack, same spelling. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I, I did have an idea for extra turns, but uh, as as we um as we explored it more, uh, we decided to turn it into another another podcast. So this is an announcement that I that I've already made a buzz of. Uh, I, I I put the cart before the horse. Um, so uh, myself and David Wolf uh, today have recorded a first episode of Uncharted Pages, which is going to be a, a podcast where we uh, chapter by chapter delve into the War of Spark novel. And uh, rating, criticize it. Uh, I give positive feedback sometimes as well, but uh, mainly, um, mainly poke fun at it. Um, so it's it's something I should check out. Uh, so David Wolf, how 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 can our listeners find this? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> You're putting me on the spot. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. Um, we have to figure this out at some point, right? Uh, no, I I think I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, I'm. I've been thinking about it a little bit. I think we're definitely, we're almost definitely going to have a new podcast feed for it. And it will be, you know, you just search on iTunes or whatever it is for Uncharted Pages and you'll be able to find it uh, or whatever, whatever podcast app that you use. Um, and I might put the first episode into the Skullcrack feed uh, to give people a taste if they want. I know that that can be a thing that annoys people. I kind of hate it when podcasts do that, so maybe I won't do that. I don't know. I haven't really decided. I've gone back and forth on it. Uh, but yeah, at the very least, there will be a link to it somewhere. You'll be able to find it through our social media, our Twitter or Facebook, um, or, you know, I'll send it by pigeon. No. Uh, <laughs> you, you'll be able to find it, basically. It'll There'll be a link on Reddit. <laughs> Yeah, as at the very least, a uh, link in the show notes of this episode of Skullcrack. Uh, we'll we'll have it. That's probably a good way to find it. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was, it was fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, listening back and looking forward to reading more. Um, I guess yeah. As was this brief bit of background that this came up. Um, as was uh, it was something that I well, that, that, yeah, I, I intended intended a kind of reading given that given a brief brief summary for uh, you know during one of these you know post episode segments. Um, but then I think as we started reading it, we just realised that there is 
there, there is a lot to poke fun at uh, in, in this book. Uh, and there's uh, a lot of opinions. Um, I think we intended on um, on uh, re- uh, reading, reviewing the first uh, 12 chapters, because uh, chapters are quite short uh, in this novel. <laughs> we got a lot of information uh, out of just the first three chapters. Uh, so if you at home want to uh, want to play along, if you read as far as um, chapter three, so if you read up until the end of the first uh, Chandra chapter, uh, before you listen to this podcast, uh, you can uh, you can you can play along. Uh, this will be like a be like a magic, magic gathering book club uh, that you're all invited to join. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. I'm hoping that people do read along with us because it is like it's still a fun book to read. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I guess yeah, I, I, it's um, I, I guess you can still follow the podcast if you've been reading. Um, it's 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 still be we we, still, we basically describe what's happening in all the chapters. Um. Um, primarily, we talk about how the writer could have done it better, but um, no, that's that's it's it's always it's it's easy to be the critic, and it's easy to sit back and uh, say uh, what should have been done, uh, but that's what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, like, what book have you ever written, Al? Come on. Oh yeah, I've 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 written I've written a trilogy of fantasy novels. I'm looking to get them self published this year. Uh, putting final touches on. Um, I mentioned in the other podcast that I've uh, been part of a writing group for a very long time. Uh, so I've I've you know read and critiqued. Uh, a lot of amateur writing. Um, most of it was very good, um, but I'm confident to say that I have read uh, the worst of what's out there. Um, <laughs> so when, when I say when I say that this book is possibly the worst thing I've ever read, that's I'm saying that with a lot of weight. Oh. Um, that's not something I'd say lightly. Lightly. Well, how would you feel if somebody read your book and did a podcast tearing it apart? <laughs> I would feel awful. I know. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I've, our, our criticisms are. I, I, well, I see our criticisms are fair. Um, I feel like I suppose in fairness, I have had my my I have I have I've had my own work torn apart because uh, of the writing groups I've, I've been in and uh, online writing groups I've been in. We do I've been very very thorough. Um, so I've had people yet yeah, to yeah, you know, nitpick and tear my tear my chapters uh, yeah, line by line, um, tear them apart. And it's something that I've learned. those experience I learned a lot from. Um, so I guess you know, to be a writer, you, you usually you need to have thick skin. Uh, you need to you know get over yourself, and you, you need to be able to take on uh, positive feedback. Uh, so uh, hopefully Craig Weisman learned something from us. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Hopefully he well, if really, ho- hopefully he never finds out. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, right. That would be for the. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, tell your friends about our new podcast, uh, but don't tell Craig Weisman. Okay. <laughs> don't tweet about it. <laughs> all right. Oh, no, it's, it's 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 all a bit of fun. Yeah. 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 So look out for Uncharted Pages coming to a podcast directory near you very soon and uh, that's going to do it from us this week bye 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 bye